You cannot change toxic people. You can't. I can't. You can't change toxic attitudes. Only God, only the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we are in week three of our toxic series. To this point, we've talked about toxic thoughts. And then last week, we talked a little bit about toxic influences. Today, I'm going to get real personal. We're going to talk today about toxic relationships. Toxic relationships. And the reason that we have toxic relationships is because there are toxic people. So that when you get into a relationship with a toxic person, believe me, it's going to be a toxic relationship. Let's remind ourselves this morning what the definition of toxic is. Toxic is defined as anything containing poisonous material capable of causing sickness or even death. And when we applied that spiritually, we said it's anything poisonous capable of causing spiritual sickness or spiritual death. We've talked about those toxic thoughts. We've talked about those toxic influences. And like I said, today we're going to talk about toxic relationships. There are some relationships that if we are not careful that are poisonous and capable of causing sickness and even death in our lives. Now, how many of you, and I think all of us do, know people, and we've been in the presence of people, that when we are in their presence, that all they are is discouraging, distracting, defeating, and when you leave their presence, you feel worse after being in their presence than you were before you got into their presence. Anybody know folks like that? We all do, don't we? But we also know those people that when we get into their presence, they are encouraging and they are edifying and they are equipping. And when we've been in their presence and we come out of their presence, we are better as a result of being in their presence. I thank God for those kinds of people in my life that encourage me that build me up, that lift me up. God gave me an opportunity when I was in Atlanta to connect with who I felt was the most encouraging person that I'd ever met in my life. And his name was Jim Dornan. And when Jim started coming to our church, he was just that kind of person. You, you wanted to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with him every day. Because when you got into his presence and left, you felt like you could conquer the world. And I don't do this much, but this morning I'm going to recommend a book that Jim wrote. He wrote this book with another person, and you will recognize this name. He wrote this book with John Maxwell. And it's a book entitled, Becoming a Person of Influence. And the subtitle is, How to Positively Impact the Lives of Others. And I'll have this book laying up here so that if after church you want to come and get a little bit more information. I'm going to tell you, this book helped me tremendously. To be a person that has positive impact, not a negative impact, we've got enough of that, a positive impact on people's lives. How many of you know it is important who you hang out with? And it is important who you listen to. 
Listen to what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. He said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, I want you to notice here very clearly what he said. He said, do not be misled. Because sometimes you can be misled into thinking that you can change that toxic person. That you can change that person's attitude. And I'm saying to you this morning that you cannot change toxic people. You can't. I can't. You can't change toxic attitudes. Only God, only the Holy Spirit, when we have submitted our control of our life and our attitudes to him, he's the only one who can change them. And so Paul said, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And listen to what the writer of Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 13 and 20. He said, walk with the wise and become wise. But then he says, associate with fools and get in trouble. And I believe everybody in this room here this morning would say, yep, most every time I've gotten in trouble in my life is when I followed the leadership of fools. I'm just going to tell you, when I was in high school, I was a fool. And if you followed me in high school, you were going to get in trouble. I never drank, never did drugs, nothing like that, but I stayed in trouble. And my partner in crime almost became your pastor here. Rick Bradley. He was as much a fool as I was. And so when we followed each other, we stayed in trouble. Stayed in trouble. I got suspended five times my senior year. You thought I was going to stay in high school. No, my senior year. I was suspended five times because I was a fool. And not only that, but there were times when I would follow fools and get myself even into more trouble. Now, I'm not a fool anymore, okay? And neither is Pastor Rick. Matter of fact, if you would have gotten him as a pastor, you would have gotten probably the best man, preacher, and pastor that I know. I'm telling you, he's like my brother, and he's my best friend. But when we were in high school together, we did some stupid, crazy things that kept us in a lot of trouble. And the Bible tells us that you walk with the wise, you become wise, you associate with fools, and you get in trouble. Now, let me help you if I can this morning to identify some toxic people that may be in your life. I don't have time to identify all toxic people, but I want to give you at least three categories of toxic people this morning. First of all, there is the complainer. I know you don't know any complainers, I know some complainers. You know, complainers, these are the people that they're always criticizing. They're always negative. You, you can never do enough nor be enough to please them. And let me tell you something about a complainer. I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again as it relates to complainers. You cannot change a complainer. You cannot make a complainer happy. You cannot fulfill and satisfy a complainer. Because if you do everything a complainer asks you to do, they're going to still find something else to complain about. I think about the children of Israel in the Bible when I think about complainers. 
I mean, they had been in Egyptian bondage for hundreds of years, and they began to cry out to God, God, deliver us from this bondage. And so what did God do? The Bible said that God heard their cry and sent them Moses to deliver them out of their Egyptian bondage. And when the time came for them to be delivered out of bondage, now God's going to take them out of their bondage into a land of freedom. But how many of you know that the process between the land of bondage and the land of freedom is not always easy? That transition sometimes is really difficult. That transition sometimes is really hard. And so when they left Egypt, they come to the Red Sea. And they see that Pharaoh's army is pressing in on them from behind. The Red Sea is in front of them. And what do they do? They begin to complain to Moses and said, Moses, why did you bring us out here in this wilderness to die? Well, I don't know why. I, don't, I, I really don't. But God, even when they were complaining, God was still gracious and merciful. And God rolled back the waters of the Red Sea. They then began to wander in the wilderness for years. But when they initially began to wander in the wilderness, there wasn't anything for them to eat, and they got hungry. And how many of you know church folk, when they get hungry, we're going to complain a little bit. Pastor preached too long today. I'm hungry. But here they're, they're out there in the wilderness, nothing to eat. And here's what the Bible said. They complained against Moses. And said, well, at least Moses, back in Egypt, we sat around fires where we had pots of meat to eat. But out here in this wilderness, there's nothing for us. But what did God do? God provided for them food to eat miraculously in the wilderness. That was in Exodus chapter 16. You go to Exodus chapter 17 after God had just done that for them. And they come to a place called Rephidim and they don't have anything to drink. And it says that they complained against Moses. By this time, I think Moses has had about all he can stand. And he looked at him and he said, would you folks shut up? Why do you keep complaining against me and why do you test the Lord? And you know what their response was after that? What the Bible says, it said that they continued to complain because of their thirstiness. Complainers are toxic. They're those kinds of people that if we are not careful can cause sickness and even spiritual death in our lives. But not only is there the complainer, there is also the controller. The controller, this is that person that's so demanding and overbearing and manipulative and dominating and maybe even abusive in your life. A controller. If you want to see a good picture of a controller, go and study the life of a woman in the Old Testament by the name of Jezebel. She was so controlling that now when we talk about somebody who has a controlling spirit, we call it a Jezebel spirit because she was so controlling. The disciple, Peter, who followed Jesus, he, he was one of those that you could have looked at as a controller, not to the extent that Jezebel was, but he had a very controlling spirit. And, and look at what happens when Jesus tells his disciples that in just a few days, he said, I'm gonna suffer, I'm gonna die on a cross, but I'll, I'll be raised again. When Jesus shared that with his disciples, listen to what Peter said to Jesus. He said, Lord, or he took him aside and he began to rebuke him. Now, now get this, he's rebuking Jesus. He's rebuking God. And says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. 
In other words, I'm going to step in here thinking that he's doing a good thing, but trying to control the situation. And listen to what Jesus said. Jesus turned to him and said, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Calls him Satan. Now, he's not, he's not speaking to Peter. He's speaking to that spirit that's influencing Peter. And he said, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Let me tell you something about controlling people. They do not have your best interest in mind. They don't have God's purpose for your life in mind. Controlling people just want to control you because all they care about is their purpose for your life. That's why we have parents trying to control children and husbands trying to control wives and wives trying to control husbands because it's not about what God wants it's about what that controlling person wants so there's the complainer there's the controller but then here's a third category of people the tempter that can be toxic in our lives young people this could be a boyfriend or a girlfriend who is putting pressure on you to become sexually active sexually immoral it could, be, it could be your buddies that are putting pressure on you to get drunk with them or to get high with them or to go to the strip club with them. It could be that coworker that's trying to get you to do something unethical with them at the job, that tempter. And a good picture of the tempter we find in the book of Genesis where a guy by the name of Joseph has been betrayed by his brothers He's sold into slavery. He ends up in the house of a man by the name of Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife has a strong attraction to Joseph. I mean, the Bible does tell us that he was well-built and handsome. And she had a strong attraction to him. And she was constantly trying to put pressure on Joseph to go to bed with her. And listen to what the scripture says in Genesis 39.10. She kept putting pressure on Joseph. Listen. People are toxic when they continue to put pressure on you to do something that is contrary to God's will and God's purpose for your life. And it says that he kept putting pressure, or she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. He kept out of her way. There are some people you just got to stay out of their way. Amen. And then it goes on and said he stayed out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. Now, there's some people that would look at that and say, oh, man, this is my opportunity. Nobody else is here. It's just me and her. We can do this thing. And nobody will ever know. But not somebody with the character and the integrity of Joseph because it said that she came and she grabbed him by his cloak demanding, come on, sleep with me. But Joseph tore himself away, left his cloak in her, ran, in her hand as he ran. What does the Bible tell us? Flee sexual immorality. Run from sexual immorality. And that's what Joseph does here. Toxic people in our lives. Now listen, I'm not saying that we are to run from every toxic person that we meet. I'm not saying that because I do know that God has called us to minister to people. He's called us to minister to those folks who need help from the Holy Spirit, who need change in their life. But listen to me, you've got to use wisdom in how you do that. 
You, you've got to make sure. How many of you have ever flown in an airplane before? Let me see your hand. Before you take off, what does the stewardess say to you? She says this. She gives you instructions that if there is a sudden drop of pressure in the cabin, there will be oxygen masks that will fall just above your head. And what you are to do is you're to take your oxygen mask and you're to put it on first and then you're to help the person next to you put theirs on. Why? Because if you're dead, you can't do anything to help that person beside you. So we've got to make sure that we're healthy. We've got to make sure that we're not toxic before we go and try to help toxic people. So, so let, me, let me just give you a couple of things this morning on this Father's Day. Just a couple of things that will help us when it comes to dealing with toxic people and relationships in our lives. Here's the first thing. You have got to learn how to set healthy boundaries. Now listen to me, boundaries are not bad. I almost said set healthy fences because that's really what a boundary is. It's a fence. And what a fence does is a fence keeps the good in and the bad out. If you have livestock, you have a fence around that livestock so that wolves and coyotes and other kind of predators are not able to get beyond that boundary to destroy your livestock. You have that boundary there for protection. And I've shared this with you before, but when I was going home one Sunday, we, when you turn off of Bryan Road onto Sellers Road, there's, there's a, a little pasture there that has some goats and little pigs and things like that out in the pasture. And one day when we were coming by, a goat had gotten out and was in the middle of the road and all kinds of cars were having to pull over to keep from hitting the goat and to keep from hitting one another. You see, that's what happens when you get outside the fence. When you get outside the boundaries, you are now out of the safety zone and in the danger zone. And we have to learn how to set healthy boundaries with toxic people. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 26, 4 and 5. He said, I do not spend time with liars or go along with hypocrites. I hate the gatherings of those who do evil and I refuse to join in with the wicked. Now, that's a pretty good commitment to make right there if you want to stay free of toxics or toxins that come from toxic people. Look at this next passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy 2, 16 and 17. Listen to what Paul says here. This is so important. He said, avoid godless chatter. What does he say? He said, avoid godless chatter. Because those who indulge in it will become what? more and more ungodly. Their words will spread like gangrene. And early on, gangrene looks maybe nothing like more than a bruise on a toe or on your foot. But then it just turns completely black until literally the limb has to be removed or rots off. I mean, it's absolutely gross. And what causes it is the blood flow is not allowed to get to those extremities because of blockages. The, the, the flow of life has been blocked. And listen, when you sit around and listen to gossip and participate in godless chatter, you're not going to become more godly. The scripture says you're going to become more ungodly, more and more ungodly because those words spread like gangrene that ends up with a lot of pain, sickness, 
and death. And so what does he say? He says, avoid godless chatter. Avoid those folks. You see, one of the boundaries that you've got to set is you've got to just do this. You've got to say, listen, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. If you're, if you're, just, if you're just here to gossip, I don't want to hear it. I, I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to be a part of that. And he says you even avoid when you see those people coming. So let me ask you this. Do you feel like when you walk up to a group sometimes people are trying to avoid you? Maybe Holy Spirit is trying to do something, show you something that needs to be worked on in your life. Avoid it. Stay away from it. And then notice what he says in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. Now listen, he's speaking to believers. And he said, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. But now hold on just a minute. He's not talking about all sexually immoral people. Listen, listen to what he says. This is so important. Because in verse 10 he says, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral. Or the people of this world who are greedy or swindlers or idolaters. Because he said, in that case, you would have to leave this world. Because there's still a lot of unbelievers. There's still a lot of people who don't know Jesus. There's still a lot of people who don't have a relationship with God who are greedy and swindlers and idolaters and immoral. And you can't avoid that. The only way that you could avoid that is if you weren't even in this world anymore. So you got to either die or be raptured. But here's what he said I'm talking about. He said, I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or a sister. Because, see, he's talking to the church. And there are people in the church, he is saying, who are immoral and greedy and idolaters and slanderers and drunkards and swindlers. And he said, if they're claiming to be a brother or sister, if they're claiming to be a Christian, but they're living this kind of a lifestyle, he said, Put a boundary up. You don't associate with them. And the very next scripture, he says, you don't even sit down at the table and have a meal with them. You say, boy, pastor, that sounds harsh. It's boundaries. It's to keep the bad out and the good protected. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, and you've seen this over and over. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, he's talking about covenant relationships here. Don't marry them. Don't do business partnerships with them. He says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Let me show you this picture. Here's a picture of two oxen in a yoke. Now, let's just say these oxen are people. What if one of them is a believer and the other one is an unbeliever? And they come to a crossroads and they've got to make a decision, and the unbeliever wants to go this way, and the believer wants to go that way, but they're in the same yoke. I'll tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be a struggle. One's going to be trying to pull this direction, and the other one's going to be trying to pull that direction, and it will be a constant struggle. Because Paul said, don't yoke yourself up like that with toxic people, because it will make the relationship toxic. So what do we do? First thing, we got to set some healthy boundaries. And then here's the second thing. And I don't mean to sound harsh this morning, and this should be the last resort, but there's going to come a time when you're going to have to cut off some toxic relationships. But pastor, they're a good friend. Pastor, we've, 
We've been serving together for years. We've been going to church together for years. We've had this relationship. Now, now let me just stop right here and clarify like I did last week. I'm not talking about divorce. Okay? Look at your neighbor right there. If it's your spouse, look at them and say, I will not divorce my spouse. (laughs) I will not divorce my spouse. Now, there may, be, there may come a time, you understand, there may come a time if there's, if there's extreme abuse or something of that nature in a relationship when you're going to have to temporarily separate yourself from them. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about covenant relationships. I'm not talking about a marriage. Listen, I'm not even talking about divorcing your family. It is so sad when I hear parents say, I'm just writing my kid off, just writing them off. And it breaks my heart when I hear children say, I want absolutely nothing to do with my parents. Listen, those are covenant relationships. And those are not relationships that you cut off. Those are relationships that ought to be so important to you that you're going to get whatever help you need to get to make sure those relationships are healthy. If it's counseling you need to get, if it's in a life group or a small group that you need to get in, if it's a pastor that you need to see, whatever it is, you need to work on those relationships. You understand what I'm talking about. But there's going to come a time that you're going to have to break off, cut off some toxic relationships. We learned that from the Apostle Paul. Look at what happened to the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 15. It said, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas. Now, let me tell you something about Barnabas. His name means son of encouragement. So he doesn't want to give up on anybody. He wants to help everybody. He's an encourager. And so Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Let's go check up on them. And notice what Barnabas says. Barnabas agreed, but he wanted to take along a young man by the name of John Mark. John Mark. But listen to what Paul said. But Paul disagreed strongly. He said, since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. So here's what Barnabas wants to do. He wants to take John Mark and take him with them as they go back and visit these churches to see how the believers there, the new believers there are doing. And Paul speaks up and says, no way is John Mark going with us because the last time he went with us, he deserted us. And you've got to understand why Paul felt this way because John Mark went back to Jerusalem. Let me me just explain it this way. John Mark was like the New Testament Jonah. He did not want the Gentiles to hear the gospel. He did not want non-Jewish people to be able to hear the gospel and turn their hearts and lives over to Jesus. And so when he saw all of these Gentiles getting saved, he said, that's it for me. I'm going back to Jerusalem where the Jewish folks are. And now Barnabas wants to bring him back in and take him back to check on the people that he didn't want saved to begin with. And Paul says, ah, that is not going to happen And so there was a strong disagreement, and their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. And Barnabas took John Mark with him, sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas as he left. The believers entrusted him to the Lord's glorious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria, Sicilia, strengthening all of those churches there. It caused a great division because Paul said, no, this young man needed to be cut off because of what he did. He was toxic. But, listen to me, it was not 
that Paul was saying that John Mark and I could never reconcile again. Because later, when Paul is about to die, he's writing letters, and here's what he said just before he's about to die. He said, I want you to send for John Mark because he could be very beneficial to my ministry. John Mark is the same one who wrote the gospel of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But sometimes you have to cut that person off. And you have to say until there can be a change in your attitude and until there can be a change in your heart and until there can be a change in your spirit, I'm sorry, but we can't go there. Not only that, listen, listen to what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 5. And Tanya, you can go ahead and come and get ready to help me close out. This is in 1 Corinthians 5, and I, I briefly mentioned this to you last week, that this is a passage of Scripture where a young man in the church is having an incestuous affair with his stepmother. Now, the father's dead, but he's having a, a, an affair with his stepmother. And notice what Paul said. He said, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that even pagans don't do. He said, even unbelievers don't have affairs with their stepmothers. And he said this, he said, I'm told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother and you are so proud of yourselves. Because the, the church at Corinth, they prided themselves in being liberal, open, accepting. We're a church that preaches all about the grace of God and that's wonderful, that's wonderful. But Paul said that's not what this man needs right now. And he goes on and he says, but you should be mourning and sorrow and shame and you should remove this man from your fellowship. Now, let me just say something right here. Paul is not establishing a doctrine. He's not saying that this is how you always deal with these kinds of matters. He's not saying that every situation should be dealt with like this. That's not what Paul is doing. Paul is saying in this particular case with this particular man this is how you're going to have to handle him because this is the only way that he's going to come to his senses he said you've got to remove him from your fellowship you've got to excommunicate him even though I'm not with you in person he said I am there with you in spirit and as though I were there I have already passed judgment on this man in the name of the Lord Jesus and he said you've got to call a meeting of the church and he said I'll be present with you maybe not in body but I'll be there in spirit and so will the power of the Lord Jesus. And look at the force of his language. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan that his sinful nature will be destroyed. Notice Paul is saying this is a good thing. This is not a bad thing. This is like the prodigal son. This is where you're going to have to just let him go his own way. And hopefully, after the enemy has destroyed his life, he will come to his senses and he will come back to God and his soul will be saved. That's what Paul is saying here. Now, not everybody has to be dealt with that extremely. But this man did. He wasn't getting the message. The message of love and the message of grace and the message of forgiveness was not settling in with him. And so Paul said, you're going to have to get a little bit more serious and hard with this particular man. 
And he said, throw him out, hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day that the Lord returns. Now listen, I'm going to go back to this. You can't change toxic people. Are you listening to your pastor this morning? I'm a people person. I love people. And if I'm not careful, I can very quickly fall into a trap of being a people pleaser. I'm a fixer. I get really frustrated if I can't fix somebody. And over the years, the Holy Spirit has taught me all you can do is preach words of life. All you can do is impart truth. But my Holy Spirit is the only one who can change hearts and change attitudes. See, this is what frustrated the prophets to no end. They would get up and they would preach and they would, they would, they would be God's mouthpiece. They would say to those people exactly what God wanted them to say. But they would get so frustrated because the people were not changing. That's what, that's what caused Elijah to become suicidal. It's because he preached and preached and preached and, and imparted truth, but the people were not changing. Why? Because we can't change people. Do you hear me this morning? It's only when those toxic people recognize. And listen, the only reason people are toxic, it's the same reason why we can be toxic, is sin. It's sin. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned. That's what makes us toxic, it's sin. And all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And so what we have to do is we have to come to God. That individual has to come to God. And say, God, I submit, I surrender complete control of my life over to you today. Change my heart. Change my attitude. God, I don't want to be a complainer. I don't want to be a controller. I don't want to be a tempter. I don't want to be toxic. I don't want to be that person everybody's avoiding. I want to be that person that everybody wants to connect with. Because when they leave me, they feel better about themselves. We want you to come and join us here at Summerton Church of God. God is doing some amazing and miraculous things, and we want you and your family to be a part of that. We are eliminating the darkness in this community by being light.